reading with you the book of Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on that great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals will destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts that they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in these last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And we invite you to read along with us this doxology, so please follow. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Rod and Martha, thank you for leading us in the reading of Scripture today. Today, we wrap up our series uh, in the book of Jude, and we do so by looking at those final two verses. Um, These verses form something called a doxology, which is a, a declaration of praise to God. And it's right on the heels of the preceding verses. There, there are some in the church who had been influenced by false teachers that had secretly slipped in among them. Some are now doubting their faith. Others are in danger of losing their faith altogether. Like the false teachers, they deny Jesus as Lord and distort God's grace into a license to do whatever they want. And so Jude says, show mercy as you try to rescue them from false beliefs and sinful behaviors, but be extremely careful lest you stumble and fall away with them. You know, I I am struck by the picture Jude paints here. It's a picture of fighting for the faith, standing up and speaking out for the truth of God's word in the midst of a challenging and hostile environment. That's what makes the book of Jude so relevant, I think, for today. I don't know if you realize this or not, but as Bible-believing Christians, we are on the visiting team, Uh, not only in America, but throughout the world. In fact, if you were to take those in the U.S. who believe that, one, the Bible is God's word, the, the standard for what is right and true, and two, that Jesus alone is the way to the way to heaven, you could fit all of those people into the state of New York. It's roughly 22 million people or about 7% of the U.S. population. And so picture all of the other 49 states as non-believing, filled with people who do not believe the Bible is true, filled with people who do not believe Jesus is the way to salvation. We've got our work cut out for us. And if all of that wasn't enough, we've got our own share of issues within the church. And that's really the context of Jude. He's talking about problems in the church. And to be honest, all of this is is overwhelming. As a pastor, there are days I want to quit. You know, I I just want to crawl in a hole and pretend everything is okay. Okay. But you know what? All is not okay. And that's why Jude writes, contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. That's what the book of Jude is about. And let's just be honest, as we contend for the faith, that comes at a cost, doesn't it? That comes at a cost. I'm not sure I want to pay the price of possibly being ridiculed or ostracized by family and friends. I'm not sure I want to carry the stress and burden of defending the truth of Scripture to those who doubt or oppose it. 
I mean, don't you want to live a stress-free, comfortable life? I mean, don't you want to make religion a private matter between you and God and not have the obligation to share Jesus with others? Man, that, that would be nice. But here's the truth. The American dream is not God's dream for you in this world. And I, I think it's time for the church to wake up to that. Heaven and hell are at stake here. But in case we think that it's all up to us or that we are alone in this, Jude concludes by getting us focused and centered on God, his power, his work, and his glory. You see, in and of ourselves, we really are unable to rescue those who are doubting and being deceived. We, we are really unable to contend for the faith that is being threatened by false teachers inside and outside the church. But guess what? God is able. Amen? God is able. Look at verse 24 there in Jude. He writes, now to him who is what? Able. Let's try that again. We need to wake up maybe a little bit today. We need to sound like a church where we believe that God is able. All right, verse 24. Now to him who is what? Able. able. That's good. That word translated able is where we get our English word dynamite. God is, is dynamite. He, he is capable, strong, and powerful. In fact, God is able to do anything. Anything he wants. This is, this is number one on your outline, the power of God. Jude highlights two specific things God is able to do. First, he says he is able to keep you from stumbling. God is able to guard us. He keeps his eye on us so that we will remain safe and not fall away from the faith. Back in verse 1, Jude writes that we have been kept for Jesus Christ. But then in verse 21, he writes, keep yourselves in God's love. It's as if we are kept by God as we are willing to keep ourselves. It's, it's a both and. This challenges us to think about a doctrine called eternal security or once saved, always saved. Some believe that once you become a Christian and that decision is genuine and sincere, that there is no way you can ever leave the faith because God keeps you. However, I think we must be careful to note that God will not keep anyone against their will. God will not keep someone who no longer chooses to believe or trust in Jesus, who has willfully turned their back on him. I think that's why Jude emphasizes both both God's power to keep us and our choice to keep ourselves. They go hand in hand. Last Sunday, we talked about how to keep ourselves in the love of God. We, we need to grow in the scriptures and pray in the spirit and watch for the savior. That is taken directly from verses 20 and 21. And as we do that, God is also at work to keep us, to guard us against things like doubt and deception and sin. God is able. But that's not all. Jude mentions something else. 
God is able to do. And that is he is able to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Another, another way to say this is he is able to make you stand in the presence of God. Now, how in the world are we able to stand in God's holy presence? I mean, there's no way we can do that on our own, right? Say yes. Yeah, there's no way we can do that on our own. You see, it's only through the cleansing power of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. It's only through his sacrifice that we are able to stand before God without fault and with great joy. Similar to Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect, 1 Peter 1.19 says, God is able to make us stand before him without blemish because of Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we are now clothed, as it were, in the righteous robe of Christ, holy and blameless. And notice here, notice we do not just stand anywhere. Where do we stand? We will stand faultless in the very presence of God. Can you believe that? Imagine what a moment that is going to be. You and I, we are going to stand in the presence of God. What great joy for those of us that are covered in Christ. What great joy we will experience rejoicing in God's presence. I mean, you talk about dynamite. God is able to do this. And so much more. And so today, as, as we have done in our gathering here, we need to continue to celebrate what God is doing and is yet to do. In the midst of all the challenges that we face in life, whether it be in the church or out in society, we have a God who is able to keep us in the present and give us hope for the future. Maybe today you come here feeling weak in your faith, or perhaps you're discouraged or have doubts. Man, turn, turn your eyes to the God who is able. He is on the throne. He is in control. And he is not done yet. Well, because of this, verse 25 says, To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Here we see number two, the person of God. Why is God able? It's because of who he is. He is savior. See, in Christ, we are saved from the wrath of God. But not only are we delivered from the penalty of sin, we are also delivered from the power of sin as well. Our guilt is taken away, but also our sin-sick soul is being renewed day by day through the Holy Spirit. Man, what a, what a Savior. What a Savior he is to do that. But not only that, he is also Lord. 
he is Lord. There, there, this was a problem for the false teachers here in Jude. They recognized Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. Back in verse 4, it says, they, the false teachers, are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and what? Lord. They deny Jesus as Lord, not only in their belief, but also in their behavior. But in this doxology, Jude is sure to say that Jesus is Lord. He is our Lord. And like Jude, we are his servants. This is so important because we can't expect God to be that dynamite power in our lives unless we are willing to acknowledge him as our Savior and Lord. Next, Jude says that he is eternal. He is eternal. He is before all ages, now and forevermore. You see, there has never been a time, nor will there ever be, when God ceases to exist. He is infinitely eternal. The Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Man, I think one of the greatest evidences for God's eternal existence is creation. You all know this, right? That something cannot come from nothing. Something cannot come from nothing. There has to be a cause. And so when you go all the way back to the beginning, where did the sun, moon, and stars come from? How did this world come to be? Well, there has to be a first cause. And the best explanation for that is an eternal, all-powerful God who created it all out of nothing. He is eternal. And notice, notice how Jude begins verse 25. He says, to the only God. To the only God. There is no other God. And this God is our eternal Savior and Lord. Here's the application under this point. Make God your only God. You know, there, there are so many gods, little g, out in our world today. We, we could make a list of them. You know, sex, money, achievement, even, dare I say it, family. We must be sure that nothing, bad or good, becomes of higher importance than God, that that our all-consuming allegiance is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In his book, God's at War, Pastor Kyle Eidelman writes this. He says, when someone or something replaces the Lord God in the position of glory or honor in our lives, then that person or thing by definition has become our God. And maybe today, God has brought you here because you need to put God, the only God, back in his rightful place. So we have the power of God, the person of God, 
and you probably guessed it, like any good pastor, the last point has to start with a P as well. This leads finally to the praise of God. To him be what? Glory. Glory is the sum total of all that God is and does. Glory is the sum total of all that God is and does. This is the Greek word doxa, where we get the word doxology. We praise God in all his glory. Next, to him be majesty, greatness in other words. The word translated majesty comes from the Greek word megos. God is a mega God. He is big and magnificent, and because of that, he is enough. And then to him be power. Power. This refers to his strength and complete control over all things. And finally, to him be authority. He is in charge and has the right as God to do as he pleases. Wow, there is a lot here. And let me just say that it would do us well to think more and more about God. His eternal power, his divine nature, to create in our minds a fresh picture of his power and majesty, to recover the wonder of our great and awesome God. And as we do, as we do that, as we create in our minds a fresh picture of his power and majesty, as we recover the wonder of our great and awesome God, we will be drawn inevitably to worship to worship God in all his glory. That's why we've come today, right? We've come to worship God in all his glory, to sing songs like holy, 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 to raise a thousand hallelujahs and then a thousand more. And may our worship not just be today on Sunday, but may our worship continue throughout this week. All glory to God. Well, Jude has concluded his letter by reminding us who God is. And in a world where there is so much unbelief and ungodliness, in a world where our faith is being challenged every day, in a world where we are on the visiting team, I don't know how else we can make it through. God is able, amen? The power of God, the person of God, the praise of God. We've taken seven weeks to cover 25 verses in this little, often overlooked book called Jude. And I wanna end this series and this sermon, the same way Jude ended his. Because the only way we can remain faithful as we fight for the faith is to live in the reality of who God is and to trust what he will do for us both now and on that day when we see him face to face. And so to him, to him, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you 
before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And everybody said, amen.